On today's episode of District Divided, I'm not sure if you heard anything about the Washington Wizards last night, but we're going to get into what happened exactly because it shook the NBA world. We also talk about the Washington football team. They beat the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day, tying them for first place in the NFC East. Big win over there. We get into the State of the Union where we talk about college basketball. We talk about the Washington Spirit. They also made a trade. We get into that. And then we conclude with the preview against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the 11-0 Pittsburgh Steelers that played a Wednesday night football game. We get into all that, so kick back, relax, and enjoy the show. We sweep Dallas for the first time since 2012, RG3's rookie season, where we went on to win the division. We are now tied with the New York Giants for first place in the NFC East, and they just lost Daniel Jones to injury. Colt McCoy, former Washington quarterback, is now in there, meaning the only team playing with their opening day starter in the NFC East are the Philadelphia Eagles with Carson Wentz, who is currently front and center of Philadelphia fan hatred. And yet, none of this is the biggest story in the nation's capital today. Last night, the NBA world was shook. The Washington Wizards traded John Wall in a 2023 protected first-round pick to the Houston Rockets for Russell Westbrook. Wow. Now, we had heard rumors of this happening, but they all seem to be quelled, more or less, thinking that, hey, you know, that's just what GMs do. They talk a little bit, but it's not serious. This wasn't serious. Tommy Shepard assured us this was not serious. But it happened. John Wall is now a member of the Houston Rockets, and Russell Westbrook is now a member of your Washington Wizards. And there's a lot to unpack here. There are three main layers to this. Number one, John Wall. I mean, I love John Wall. I think I speak for all Wizards fans when I say I love John Wall. You love John Wall. We all do. He has an amazing connection to this city. That's why I paused at the very beginning. There's just so much to say. I still remember when we had the draft lottery. It's my freshman year, 2009 at Carleton College, and just played some soccer, came back, and went to the lounge in my dorm to see the draft lottery. And when we won it, I was jumping up and down. I was going berserk, ran around the whole place screaming because... I knew it meant we got John Wall. And he delivered some amazing memories for us Wizards fans. Most notably, that game winner in Game 6, the three-pointer, against the Boston Celtics in the conference semis. And I proceeded to go to MGM that night on a high. Lost some money, but man, what a feeling when he hit that three to send it to a Game 7. 
He was a five-time NBA All-Star with us. All-NBA third team in 2017. So the All-Defense team as well. The man was unbelievable for this city. And talking about that connection to the city, he was amazing for the community. He has the 202 Rent Assistance Program that happened recently. I talked to Joe Mandrela about that on a previous episode. Distributing meals on Thanksgiving. Helping kids out and developing positive relationships with them. He had an amazing relationship with the media as well, with fans. There was a connection that only Wizards fans can understand we had with John Wall. And so that's why when everybody else subjectively says, hey, this is a decent trade for us, it's like, man, this hurts. He was the heart and soul of this team, the Batman of our team with Bradley Beal as Robin. Our round one, pick one from the University of Kentucky, John Wall. But things did change when John got hurt. More recently, he hasn't played in the NBA for two years. Bradley Beal, in the meanwhile, continued to develop and became our Batman. The priority shifted from John Wall to Bradley Beal. And from reports we saw, it did not seem as though John Wall was too embracing of that idea. And so he is now gone. That brings us to layer two, the man that shipped him out, Tommy Shepard. GM Tommy Shepard. This trade was better than people thought it could be, especially since it leaked. Getting the protection on that first round pick, incredible. Let's get into the details of that. 2023 lottery protected first round pick. That then rolls over to 2024 top 12 protected, 2025 top 10 protected, 2026 top 8 protected. And if the Houston Rockets do not get our first round pick by 2026, it turns into two second round picks. All things considered, not bad. Imagine what Ernie Grunfeld would have done. It would have been awful. Ernie Grunfeld was not a good GM, and we can all agree on that. Ernie dealt picks for aging players and expiring contracts. Last year, Tommy Shepard brought in the likes of Jerome Robinson, Mo Wagner, and others. These are mid-first-round picks from just the last two years to see if they could pan out. The philosophy is clearly different with Tommy Shepard. It's hard-working players that will give their all for the team. And you can see it in the two drafts he's been in charge of. In 2019, Rui Hachimura, first-round pick. Admiral Schofield, a veteran leader for the Tennessee Volunteers in the second round. This year, Denny Avdia, first-round pick. And Cassius Winston in the second round, a veteran leader for the Michigan State Spartans in the second round. All of them classified as hard workers, willing to learn, willing to do it all for their team. That is the direction in which we're going, which brings us to layer three, Russell Westbrook. 32 years old. He's viewed as a selfish player. The reality is we don't know the truth until he's here. In the same way, we have a special connection to John Wall. OKC fans has had a special connection with Russell Westbrook. He was their everything. He went to Houston last year, 
But before that, he was OKC's everything. The same way John Wall is ours. Russell Westbrook was league MVP in 2017. By the way, he had 42 triple-doubles that season. He's a nine-time NBA All-Star, two-time All-NBA First Team, five-time All-NBA Second Team, two-time All-NBA Third Team, two-time NBA Scoring Champion, two-time NBA Assist Leader 2018 and 2019. That is a huge list of accolades. As I'd said, he had 42 triple-doubles in that MVP season in 2017. He is a triple-double machine with 146 in his career, second all-time behind only Oscar Robertson for the all-time mark. He's got a familiarity with Scott Brooks from his OKC days, once again. He was their everything in OKC. And last year with Houston, did I say he's 32 years old? I did, but he still averaged 27 points per game, 8 rebounds a game, 7 assists per game. He's been playing, and those are solid numbers. But the big question is, will he fit with Bradley Beal? And we'll see. I think we're all trying to figure that one out. And that's for Scott Brooks to figure out. It's his job in a contract year to make this work. Let's see if he can. But for now, I don't know. But what I do know is this. The last time the Washington Wizards won 50 or more games in the regular season, 1978-79 season. The last time the Wizards went to the conference finals, not even the NBA finals, just the conference finals. The 1978-79 season. And no matter how you felt about John Wall, change on the court was needed. We have had Wall and Beal for a very, very long time together, and we never made a conference finals. That could have resulted in a mental block that we don't really know about. And what you do get with Russell Westbrook, that work rate, that effort, that desire to be involved in every single play, to never turn off, the man's motor is still, to this day, unbelievable. You are going to have a very hardworking Wizards team that you can be proud of from top to bottom. Criticisms of John being lazy at times? Those criticisms do not compute or exist when it comes to Russell Westbrook. Do we know if this is going to work out? No. That's what the games are for. But for now, let's give him a chance and embrace him here in D.C. Russell Westbrook, welcome to the Washington Wizards, and we wish you the best of luck. Looking forward to seeing you play. And on that, let's transition to the State of the Union. The Washington Wizards were not the only team to bring someone in via trade. Let's talk about the Washington Spirit. They traded a 2022 first round pick and $75,000 in allocation money to the Utah Royals for U.S. Women's National Team player Kelly O'Hara. The first round pick only goes to Utah if she plays at least half of the matches in 2021 for the Spirit. This is a huge get for the Washington Spirit, and this was rumored to happen for quite a while. Kelly O'Hara is a very experienced player, and once again, she plays a lot for the U.S. Women's National Team. 
a consistent starter for them, a huge get for the Spirit. They also signed 20-year-old Japanese international Saori Takarada to a two-year deal, and she has three caps for Japan already at the age of 20, so this also has huge potential to it. This now gives us two Japanese players, with Takarada joining Kumi Yokoyama. And Yokoyama, if you remember, scored the Spirit's goal of the season last season. So I say this is nothing but a good thing here. On to Maryland football. They lost 27-11 to to Indiana last week, and Talia Tungabailoa struggled in this one. 17 for 36 for 241 yards, one touchdown, but three interceptions. The win for Indiana came at a cost, with starting QB Michael Penix Jr. tearing his ACL in the game. Very unfortunate, obviously no malintent there, but it hurts to see. Get well soon, Michael Penix Jr. And sorry to Indiana, it looks like their chances of making some solid runs are done. Up next, Maryland was supposed to play Michigan, but Michigan canceled due to a COVID outbreak within their team. Now, earlier this season, Maryland was supposed to play Michigan State. Michigan State has Ohio State this weekend, but, but, Ohio State may end up canceling their matchup with the Spartans due to their own COVID outbreak. So, this could result in Maryland playing Michigan State this weekend. So stay tuned for that. Let's see if that game happens. It would be awesome if it does. If there is no game, Maryland's final game of the season is against Rutgers next Saturday, December 12th. On to Maryland basketball. 3-0 this past week. Couldn't go much better. 85-67 win over Old Dominion. 82-52 win against Navy. We'll talk about them later with the Hoyas. 79-61 win against Mount St. Mary's. Junior point guard Eric Ayala led the way in these games with 19 points against Old Dominion and 15 points against both Navy and Mount St. Mary's. The games against Towson and Monmouth that were supposed to happen last week were canceled due to COVID outbreaks. Coming up, St. Peter's tomorrow, Friday at 3 p.m. for the Maryland Terrapins. You can see that on the Big Ten Network. Then James Madison on Saturday at 3 p.m. That's on NBC Sports Washington. And finally, Clemson on Wednesday at 5 p.m. You can see that on ESPN2. And all three games are also available on the Maryland Sports Radio Network. On to the Hoyas, Georgetown Basketball. 1-1 one one last week, win over UMBC by a score of 70-62, to and then lost to Navy, whom Maryland beat by 30, by a score of 78-71. to There's clearly a long way to go for the Hoyas still in Patrick Ewing's fourth season as head coach now. Senior guard Javon Blair was the points leader for the Hoyas with 23 points against UMBC and 17 against Navy. Coming up... Number 11, West Virginia on Sunday at 4.30 p.m. And Coppin State on Tuesday at 7 p.m. Both games can be seen on FS1. And both games are happening at McDonough Arena. And concluding with the Washington Wizards. They did some other stuff too besides trading for Russell Westbrook. Denny Avdia arrived in D.C. He signed his rookie deal and declared Chipotle is his favorite meal here in the U.S. Off to a good start there, Denny. And Cassius Winston signed a two-way contract as well. That's going to conclude the State of the Union. And now we get into the Washington football team who beat Dallas on Thanksgiving and now have the Pittsburgh Steelers. But before we get to the Steelers, how was everyone's Thanksgiving? Because mine was great. We beat that ass. The Dallas Cowboys got murdered on national television by your Washington football team, 41-16. to 
and it was sweet. Antonio Gibson had his star party in the place where the star exists in Dallas, in Jerry World, on 20 carries for 115 yards and three touchdowns. He now has 11 touchdowns on the season through 11 games. Montez Sweat essentially intercepted a screen pass and housed that as well. It was a completely demoralizing loss for the Dallas Cowboys. And the last time we swept the Dallas Cowboys, 2012, RG3's rookie season, and we went on to win the division that season. Right now we're at 4-7, and seven, and so are the New York football giants. And they hold a tiebreaker against us for the time being because they swept us. So we will need to have one more win than them at the end of the season in order to win the division along with the Dallas Cowboys and Philadelphia Eagles having better records than them too, of course. But now on to our opponent this weekend, or should I say weekday. The Pittsburgh Steelers are our next opponent and the game got moved to Monday at 5 p.m. Because the Baltimore Ravens, their opponent from this past week, they were supposed to play on Thanksgiving, but ended up playing yesterday instead due to that outbreak. And the Steelers did win 19 to 14. And they open as eight and a half point favorites against us. How the hell are we going to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are 11 and 0 on the season and eight and a half point favorites against us? Well, it's obviously going to be tough, but it's not impossible. The Steelers more recently have given up 5.2 yards per carry on the ground in their last three games, which is the worst in the league during this span. Antonio Gibson, again, 20 carries, 115 yards, and three touchdowns, and he has had plenty of time to rest and prepare for this game, along with the rest of the team. We played on Thanksgiving, now we're playing on a Monday. That's a long week for us. It's possible to run on the Pittsburgh Steelers, believe it or not. We keep hearing about this defense, but what they're really referring to is the pass defense, which is absolutely ridiculous. They are number one in the league, allowing just 193 yards per game, and they are opportunistic as a defense as a whole, averaging two turnovers per game, also number one in the league. So Alex Smith is going to have to be very careful and very selective with his shots downfield. Those shots downfield to the likes of Terry McLaurin and Cam Sims are a necessity. They're going to need to happen to keep that Pittsburgh defense honest, but he's going to have to be careful. And that running game with Antonio Gibson, with Peyton Barber, with JD McKissick is going to have to be good to help slow down the pass rush led by TJ Watt because the Steelers are also number one in sacks per game at 3.7 per outing. So the run defense can be had. The pass defense is stellar for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This should result in a lot of touches in the passing game for J.D. McKissick, Isaiah Wright, Steven Sims Jr., and Terry McLaurin close to the line of scrimmage. Think screens, think curls, think swings, think fl flats, think slants, if I haven't said that already. It's going to be about beating their corners, safeties, backers, 1v1 early and often in order to move the ball through the air. And again, a lot of this falls on the running game based on what the stats are showing there. Flipping to the other side of the field. The Pittsburgh Steelers, unlike their identity that had been formed over the years, they love to throw the ball. This is no longer the Jerome Bettis-led Pittsburgh Steelers 
these guys love to throw the football, and they are brilliant at protecting Ben Roethlisberger, giving up less than one sack per game, which is, you guessed it, number one in the league. But here's the thing. We have the number two pass defense, giving up just 194 yards per game through the year, which is only one yard more than the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we're number three in sacks getting 3.3 per game. So in that respect, it's strength versus strength here, and the Steelers only average 3.8 yards per carry. So on the ground, only 3.8 yards. They love to throw the ball. They love to throw the ball. And from those stats, being number two in pass defense, being number three in sacks, we are Pittsburgh light on defense. I think it's an apt comparison. I think it's fair. But Payne, Allen, Young, and Sweat, they're all going to need to be excellent for us to have a chance. Short, quick passing is tough for any team to handle, and Roethlisberger loves to get in this rhythm and then take the deep shots down the field. It's not just the offensive line protecting Ben Roethlisberger. It's Ben Roethlisberger protecting Ben Roethlisberger by getting rid of the ball quickly. In watching him, he reminds me of that first game of the season we had against the Eagles, where in the first quarter, we just couldn't do anything against Carson Wentz. It was very hard to get to him. He was stellar against us. He had multiple quick passes, and then he'd hit a deep shot to Rager or try one to Jackson. The difference here is that Ben has been doing this for years now, and he won't let up. We have to get to him or this game will be nearly impossible to win. The final note here, I alluded to it earlier, we had a very long week of preparation of rest post-Thanksgiving. And the Steelers do not have that. They were supposed to. But now, it's a very short week for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They played yesterday, and it was a tough division rivalry game against the Baltimore Ravens, even with Lamar Jackson out. Again, it was a five-point game. And now they have to turn around and play again on Monday, knowing that the following week, they have to play the Buffalo Bills, which is going to be a very tough game for them. So there is every chance in the world we end up getting overlooked, which would play to our chances of winning. We do have a shot in this game, but it is obviously going to be very, very difficult. My prediction for this game, I'm going Pittsburgh 27, Washington 14. I think that defense is just too much for us, and I think Ben is going to do a pretty good job overall of picking us apart. It's just too much to put on Alex Smith, in my opinion. But we'll see. There's a reason the game is played and you don't just call it early. Again, I picked the Cincinnati Bengals to beat us. They didn't. I picked the Dallas Cowboys to beat us. They didn't. I'm picking the Pittsburgh Steelers to beat us. Let's see what happens on Monday. And that's going to conclude today's show. Once again, this is District Divided. I'm your host, Amit Singh. If you like the podcast, please follow it on Twitter and Instagram at District Divided. There is also a Facebook page and group called District Divided. But for now, that's it. The biggest news of the day, of course, John Wall to Houston, Russell Westbrook to D.C. Continue to process that, continue to digest that, but I do ask that you do try and embrace Russell Westbrook here. 
because he is going to give everything he has for us. And let's hope that it ends up in a 50-plus win season for the first time since 1978-1979. We'll see what happens there. But once again, that's going to conclude it, and it's only one man's time to shine, and his name is Polly Polo. I spent my whole damn life in the city. Anywhere I go, DC's coming with me. I spent my whole damn life in the city. I can go for broke, but the capital is in me. I spent my whole damn life in the city. Anywhere I go, DC's coming with me.